for most people who are just starting out, a lot of people do one thing and they're, they, they want to do one thing well and, and that's it. And I think you start there, then you open up some additional doors. You don't have to be quite as selective when you're starting out because I think part of entrepreneurship is failure. Part of entrepreneurship is making mistakes and learning new skills and getting just, you know, the overall uh, what you do being better, right? Like lifting the entire Definitely. foundation. And so um, you don't always have to be quite as selective then because part of the, it's not just about succeeding, it's about learning. Hey, what's up? This is Gabe from Legion Beats and MIDI Money, which is where we help music producers start, grow, and scale their music production businesses. Now, if you'd like to learn more about how I was able to turn Legion Beats into a profitable business and how you can join our community of hundreds of producers all working towards that same goal, head over to midimoney.com slash go. All right, DJ Swivel, appreciate you coming on the podcast. For anybody who doesn't know, I think Probably a lot of people in our community are familiar with you, but uh, I know you've won a Grammy. You've worked with a crazy list of artists, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Rihanna, on and on. Uh, you make plugins. You're an entrepreneur. You're creating content, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, welcome, man. Excited to chat. Thank, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Always love uh, joining the community here. And uh, yeah, nice intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. So um man i know there's all all kinds of stuff we can chat about we basically have been <laughs> already kind of chatting before this um but yeah maybe i guess maybe just as a little bit of a starting point um not to get super deep into it, but maybe a little bit of kind of your backstory uh, and then we can jump into the the gems sure um so i you know was always into music um you know made the choice after high school i was already producing and djing in high school and so i had already dabbled played some instruments and stuff like that wasn't very great at anything djing kind of opened up some doors for me um but i knew that i was passionate about music so when i graduated high school i decided to go to college for music uh did a year out of school in toronto didn't or outside of toronto didn't really like it ended up going down to full sale um and that sort of was my foot in the door into the American side of the music business. I'm from Toronto. So being Canadian, um, I had to find a way in to the US where all of my favorite artists worked. Uh, and then once I graduated school, I, I had a visa. So I moved to New York and eventually landed an internship with a guy named Duro. Uh, if you don't know Duro, he started Desert Storm Records, signed uh, Fabulous. Uh, he was partners with DJ Clue. So that's that's how they kind of came up. And uh, also world famous producer, mix engineer, like just incredible uh, talent. And so I got an internship at his studio. And, and you know, the first day I worked there, I was working with Fabulous and Styles P on a remix for Mariah Carey. I think it was like, it was either We, Bel we Belong Together or Don't Forget About Us, one of them, but Clue did a remix. Um, and that was my first day as an intern. Nice. And, um, yeah, and then I kind of knew I was in the right place. And then I just, you know, spent a few years interning and working on a bunch of projects under Duro and then eventually kind of went off on my own and uh, started with Fabulous and then eventually landed this job with Beyonce and then Chainsmokers after that and then BTS. And, uh, and now I live in Los Angeles and kind of do a bunch of different things now. So I'm still writing and producing and mixing and, and I also make plugins and sample packs and uh you know dabbling in nfts and all these other sort of uh things so you know i i try to kind of spread my my attention around i guess 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. I definitely want to get into the, those last few things you were talking about, the entrepreneurship and some of those. Um, but I guess just just maybe real quick, because I know people are going to wonder, like, man, those that's an incredible list of credits and people that you were able to connect with. Um, is there anything you can kind of attribute that to, like as far as, I don't know, maybe uh, the attitude you have or the way that you talk to people or whatever it is that allowed you to, I guess, first get that internship. And then it sounds like, you know, form that relationship with Fabulous that sounds like led to Beyonce. You know, is there anything kind of tangible or, or, or something that you can think like, why why does that work so well for, for you? You know, why have you had so much success with that yeah. type of networking? Well, I think it started by when I was working for Duro, all I wanted to do was provide value. So it was an, it was an unpaid internship to start. So that's one way of providing value because you cost nothing. So anything that you, any net positive you contribute to the studio or, or whatever is, is a, it's, it's always a net positive because there, you really have no costs. So that's step one. Um, and I know there's a lot of talk with like, Oh, interns should be paid and blah, blah, blah. But when you have a lot of people wanting to get into a business, there's plenty of people who will do it unpaid. So you kind of have to compete. That's just mm -hmm. the reality. Yeah. Um, being in a city like New York is important. Uh, I was in New York at the time. New York's a little less important with music now, but certainly Los Angeles and Atlanta and Miami and Nashville. Um, you want to be in a city where where people are, where your your peers and and uh, the talent you want to work with live. Um, and then I think it's just a matter of like, I mean, it, it's a, a number of qualities. I work really hard. I'm willing to put in the hours. I never tell artists no if they say if they ask at the, especially at that time. Now I have a little more autonomy, but uh, as an intern, it was just like whatever you need from me, I'm available to do whatever. And so again, it goes back to just providing. Uh, value. And then on top of that, you got to learn your craft and get good at it. Um, and then on top of all that, you got to be adaptable to your environment. You got to, you know, the way that I speak to Fabulous is different than the way I speak to, you know, like a, a younger female pop star, for example, like uh, the, the, how you in, in engage with them, how you interact in the studio, the, the, the jokes that you tell, the humor, the whatever, all these little like human uh, idiosyncrasies that we all have, like, you know, you want to try to adapt to who you're with. And that's not about being fake or anything like that. It's just about the artist is meant to feel very comfortable and they want to be comfortable in their environment. And so if you, your personality is culture shock to an artist, then uh, you may not stick around for very long. So, and I've had artists that, you know, I, I do a good job no matter what I do, but, uh, but I've had artists that I didn't gel with personally, and I've had other artists that I gelled very well with personally. And so that's just part of, you know, finding your tribe, so to speak, and, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and, and making sure you're comfortable in the studio, they're comfortable in the studio and you build a relationship that way. For sure. Yeah, no, that's a lot. That's a lot of a lot of good gems there talking about being in the right place. Um, I, I, and that giving value thing, I think sometimes people uh, underestimate what that really means. You know, like I remember I, my first internship at a studio is that that same kind of mentality of like, literally, whatever it was, I would get it done, whether if it was like, trying to find something, you know, some little cable that was like buried deep in some closet, like whatever it was, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna I'll stay here all night in, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really important. And, and there's sort of like this, um, almost like this lazy version of it where it's like, I'm, I'm sure you get this like a DM, like, Hey, I'm willing to work for free. Like, you know, what can I do to help? And it's like, that's, 
that's actually not really providing value. Like you're making work for me. Like, I don't know. I don't know. No, what you can exactly. Do. <laughs> and I, I deal with that a lot is like, if I have to manage you, then, then that's, you're just creating a sec, another job for me. So, yeah. you know, in music, you know, we're mostly, most of the time we are uh, sole proprietors or, you know, maybe we have an LLC or something, but usually we run our own businesses. It's usually a business of one, or maybe you have one employee or one assistant or one whatever under you, but it's not often, unless you're building like a very corporate environment, when, when you're making music and building sample packs and producing and mixing and, and writing songs, whatever, you're kind of just one person. And so if you bring somebody on who's meant to help, and then you, you have to dictate everything that they do and they can't figure it out on their own. Now you actually have three jobs because you have your right. creative job. Then you have your, uh, job managing your staff, which is a whole separate job. And then the staff has, has their job. You, the assistant has their job. So instead of just adding one, now you've actually created, um, you know, two and you have to kind of carry one of them. So yeah, that, it's a great great point and um yeah i think anybody who's getting into the business like you have to be a self-starter you have to be able to look for problems and solve them if you can solve problems that's what i recognize a problem exactly you're, that's right. you're a you're an ace to me you know that's exactly what it is and, and so you know one example of this because maybe people are wondering like okay well i don't know i i was sending dm saying i can help what am i supposed to do so just one example is um uh my buddy richard who's on my team now um, the way that he reached out to me was he DM me and he said something like, Hey, I noticed the the hashtags you're using right now on Instagram aren't really working that well. Um, here's a list of hashtags you can use right now. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, it wasn't like a big thing. Right. And then I think from there, maybe he sent me some content like, Hey, I just made some stuff that, that I mocked up. You could use it or, or not or whatever. And then after that, he reached out and offered and said, Hey, I can, I can manage your, you know, your Instagram for you, uh, you know, and, and then, so then I brought him on and then I see like, oh my God, he knows how to do all these other things. He knows how to build funnels and write copy and all this stuff. And now he's like a huge part of our business and our team. Yeah. Um, but it was that way that he reached out. It wasn't, hey, I'd love to be a part of the team and let me know if there's anything I can do. He just did it. And so that, that would be a good example for anybody who's like listening, like, well, or watching like, man, well, so what do I do? Well, I don't know. Check it out. Look at, go to, go to DJ Swivel's, you know, social media or wherever, figure out what's important to him, figure out what, you know, what you can do. Like you said, what's the problem that you can solve that maybe you either aren't aware of or just haven't gotten around to and just solve it. And then bam, now yeah. that's, that's the end. Like I'll, I'll give you a good example in, in my world right now is, is, um, you know, I, I, especially through the pandemic, I mean, first of all, through most of my career, I was never really a content guy because I was so focused. I was working with artists in scenarios where I can't share the content anyways. So I, w I never tried to build a big YouTube presence. I never tried to build a big, you know, anything. And then last year I, I spent more time on YouTube, um, more time on Twitch and, and interacting and engaging with, with uh, a community of fans. And that's been great. But the, the downside to it is that it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job. I mean, you know, like it, running a podcast, sure. it's a full-time job being able to manage your, the flow of content. Uh, if you're also producing records and mixing records and doing all the other, like th these are obligations you can't turn down. So the only time to do content is in between when, when you have breaks from that stuff. And so one of the things like I would love to do more of is like tutorials, but 
you know, for me, it's a challenging thing because I don't know what's the, what's always interesting to a, uh, a young producer. I because I, sometimes I, there's a disconnect. I forget I've been doing this a long time, so I don't I don't always know what's the, the most interesting thing. So if somebody came in and was like, hey, I can build out a bunch of tutorials for you and then here's the content, here's the, the plugins, here's whatever, then I can just open it up and then do my version of and say, OK, this is how I would apply this type of effect or this type of thing that saves a significant uh, significant amount of my time and is like a value add to to what i'm doing so these are the types of things that that um you know young producers or, or just people looking to get into the business maybe managers or whatever can can do social media is another good one and um, yeah and engaging with all the things that that doesn't require you know my attention yeah. No, I mean, hey, that's a great example. I hope somebody takes advantage of that yeah. and hits you up and has a whole incredible yeah. outline and, and yeah. stuff ready for just you. Just putting that out there. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's a problem, like, is a day-to-day problem in my life. If one of your audience is like, oh, I'm really good at that. I can come up with a bunch of content. Cool. Let's connect. And then what it does is it opens doors to the other avenues of my business. So I have a publishing company. I, I have a label, like, you know, if, if you're also a really dope producer and I can help you get some placements and we can, you know, there's business to be had on both sides there. So it's a, it's a kind of net, net benefit for everyone involved. So these are the types of things it's like, get your foot in the door. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, your business is a lot larger than, than, than I originally thought. And I can help you here, 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 and here. And by the way, I, you know, here's where you're going to pay me. And there's just so many different ways to work in this business. It, it's kind of never ending. Definitely. Definitely. So oh. I do want to get into some of those other, other ways you've been working. Uh, you know, I know you've got the plugins. I know you're doing a lot of stuff, um, yeah. you know, kind of on the, on the entrepreneurial side. So I'm just wondering kind of what, what was the, the, um, the motivation for that? Cause like you were having success and continue to have success in, in let's call it the quote unquote industry. Right. Um, so what made you also want to be, you know, your own boss and be an entrepreneur at the same time? Well, I was always my own boss and I always viewed even being a mixer, a producer, a songwriter, like you're an entrepreneur, like that's your business. You're the CEO of a business of one, but, but it's still a legitimate business. So I, that was like, um, that was always kind of there. And I kind of grew up in an entrepreneurial ish family, um, well, not really, but I, you know, my mom was a news anchor and she had like, you know, some success uh, herself and, and, you know, I was always taught to work hard and go after the things you wanted. So kind of what I did is I got really good at being a, a, a engineer producer and created success there. And then after a certain period of time, you realize, all right, this is kind of easy and I can keep doing this but I want to challenge myself with something new. So it started with like, well, let me invest in some companies. Let me, uh, let me kind of dip my toes in these other things. A friend of mine wanted to start a magazine, wanted my help with it, a uh, music magazine. So I, you know, co-founded headliner magazine with uh, an editor in, in the UK. And, um, you know, I, these, you, you start to see these opportunities are, they kind of are presented to you, but if you're so focused on making music, you're not going to be receptive to them. You, you're, you're, I, you might not even realize that there's an opportunity being presented to you uh, when it's there. So after I kind of got comfortable making music, I said, all right, let me start adding some things. I can do more. I have more time. I have more energy. I have more bandwidth. Uh, and then I just sort of started looking at things that would 
anytime I added something new to the portfolio of, of businesses or things that I was doing, it, I ha it had to tick two boxes. And um, now I've sort of added a third box, but that's not, not super relevant right now. Uh, the two boxes were, is this new venture going to reinforce or support my brand as a producer? And, and, um, and alternatively, is my brand as a producer going to support and, and lift up this new venture that I'm doing? So plugins, as an example, having plugins with my name on it elevates my brand as a producer, but what I've accomplished as a producer elevates the plugin brand. And so it's like mutually beneficial both ways. Um, so it has to be connected to music or, or entertainment in, in some uh, fashion. So that, that was kind of my, my thought process when I, when I kind of opened doors for something new. And, yeah. um, and that's proved to be quite valuable. And now the, the third box, now it needs to tick after, you know, a recent meeting with my manager um, Neil Jacobson is, he, 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 he asked me to read a book called essentialism and I read it. And, uh, it also taught me that I'm kind of, sometimes I'm doing too much and I need to like really be laser focused. So it's not just, does it, does it support your producer business? Does the producer business support this new business? It's also, is this the best use of my time? Uh, and so that's now become the third metric is like, for for whatever bandwidth is required is it really worth it for me um, yeah that but you have to like, have these boundaries and parameters on yourself otherwise you'll just get lost in this you know so much opportunity out there right so. yeah and it can be overwhelming and and uh you know i can speak from my experience i mentioned the same for you the more wins the more success the more visible you are there's there's more and more opportunities and you really have to get better at that third thing you mentioned of basically learning to say no to, I don't know, Being nine selected. out of tens, 99 out of a hundred things, um, and doing your best with the information you have to be like, yes, this is the thing that's worth my, my time and energy. Cause it's so easy to split that focus. And I'm, I'm more guilty of this than, than anybody or as guilty as anybody where it's like, as creative people, as entrepreneurs, like we want to do all this different stuff and it all sounds exciting. Um, and they might be multiple good ideas and they might, you know, check the other boxes of, you know, whatever, you know, whatever else that it supports your music and, and whatever else. But it's like, man, that that is one of the big challenges for sure is figuring out, okay, what's going to be the thing that's going to move the needle the most for me right yeah. now, you know, exactly, which is not an easy thing to answer. Yeah, but but also, I think for most people who are just starting out, a lot of people do one thing and they're they they want to do one thing well, and, and that's it. And I think you start there, then you open up some additional doors. You don't have to be quite as selective when you're starting out because I think part of entrepreneurship is failure. Part of entrepreneurship is making mistakes and learning new skills and getting just, you know, the overall uh, what you do being better, right? Like lifting the entire Definitely. foundation. And so um, you don't always have to be quite as selective then because part of the, it's not just about succeeding, it's about learning. Um, but then once you get to a point where you have an, a few successes and you have a few things that are going well, then you have to start to become incredibly selective over where your time is spent because it's very easy for you to take on something new. And sure, maybe you get, get halfway there on that new thing, but you don't have enough attention to give it everything. And then the lack of attention on the existing things might, might sink a couple other businesses you have. So you have right. to be very careful and making sure that whatever you take on, you actually have the time to do it.
Yeah, no, and there, yeah, there's some nuance there, right? Because you're right. When you're first starting out, it, it's almost closer to well, you should almost say yes to everything. Like try, try a lot of different things, you know, because you yeah. don't know what's going to resonate, you don't know what's going to work, uh, and and it's all going to be a learning experience. Uh, but then at a certain point, you do have to kind of hone in on things, um, and then and and actually, you know, what's interesting is in a way it kind of expands out because yes, you have to be more and more selective, but as you grow, at least for what I've found, I, I am able to do more things because now I can leverage other people's times. I can have partners, I can have, you know, team members, and I can help build maybe the system that now can run without me spending that time on there. So it allows me to do more things, but because now I've, you know, accumulated this, this leverage of, you know, people, money, resources, whatever. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's almost like goes wide to small to, to wide again is kind of like exactly. the, the journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, but it's, it's a worthy challenge. Like you always hear like diversify your portfolio. Well, your time is just another portfolio. So Definitely. make sure you you're diversifying it, but you're also, you know, what you're investing in, you know, what your, 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 uh, where your time is being spent, how it's being spent, you know, and you can capitalize on it. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So what's what's kind of the process for you with the uh, with the plugins as far as the 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 marketing? What's the what's the funnel look like? Where's the the traffic come from the sales process? Like, how do you how do you think about that? Yeah, so, you know, this is one of those areas where I'm I'm still learning. We talked about this a little bit earlier, um, where I'm, I'm still learning, you know, there's a lot that goes into making plugins. And so and and it, as a as a bootstrap business, you know, I, like I funded it myself. I didn't go and raise outside capital. I, I don't have a large team. Um, I had to figure out the efficiencies in, in how to build something first. Uh, and so step one is you got to have a product. So you got to learn how to build a plugin. And of course I have a development team, um, but they're developing on my direction and, and on my ideas and my design. And They'll send me, for example, if I want a distortion, they'll send me, you know, something that has way more controls or knobs than I need that I can then design the sound the way that I want. And then, you know, that gets like um, baked into the, the end product. So I'm heavily involved in the creative process. And then once 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 you have a product, you're ready to sell and, you know, you got the artwork and you got the trademarks and you got the manuals and the end user license agreements and all the little details you know then you have to figure out how to sell it and that was a whole other challenge for me because it's a completely different way you know like actually making a product is very similar to making a song right it's having taste it's having the work ethic and drive and resources to you know if you if you can't do something go and hire the person who can like you know bring in resources same thing if I'm making a record, I'm like, I need a, a guitar that sounds like Nile Rogers or whatever. I know I can't play it, so I got to go and find a musician who can to get this idea out of my head. So, so that was a very similar skill set, and that was easy. The, the challenge was selling and thinking about funnels and thinking about all this stuff. This is not how you sell your services as a producer. You're not worried about, well, it might be if you're, if you're going for a mass market and you're trying to sell a lot of beats. But if you're right. working in the industry, you're working with songwriters and ARs, and 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 you know you're you're being more selective over what you're working on as it is. So your way of selling is a lot of kind of word of mouth. It's a lot of, you know, you worked with this artist and they love the sound of that, so they hire you that way. Uh, with 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 selling product, you have to understand advertising and 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 you know coming up with cool marketing concepts and 
you know, collecting emails and engaging that, that, that um, email list. And uh, I'm sure you have a number of things uh, that, y that you're doing that, that I probably need to be doing, but this is part of my learning process. So, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of just at this point winging it. Well, I have a team mm -hmm. that handles all my ad buying and, and, uh, and, and runs my ads for me. Okay. You know, they're, they do, they do, they do fairly well, but like, you know, it's hit or miss sometimes, which is, uh, you know, one of, I, I noticed like once, what was it? Apple, uh, introduced that thing where you can't track ads or whatever yeah, that, yeah. that was a big hurdle for a lot of people in the, in the ad space and, and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So I'm like everyone else. I'm kind of just like feeling it out, learning from my mistakes, you know, trying to improve, um, you know, yeah. yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Yeah. And by the way, I'm, I'm happy to take a look at it. Cause that is kind of like what I've been geeking out on the last couple of years is, is that process of, you know, how do you, how do you generate that traffic in the first place, whether that's paid ads or organic trap or content or, or whatever, then it's, how do we convert those, uh, convert those traffic into leads? So how do I get them on my list, my email list and my text message list, which by the way, I'm like all in on text. We can talk about that in a second, but SMS I'm like all about, right? So now I go from traffic okay. to lead. Now, how do I nurture those leads? How do I talk to them? Then how do I, then next is conversion. How do we actually turn that lead into a customer? How do we sell something? And then delivery, how do we deliver that product? And then it's, you know, retention, resell, upsell. How do we maybe add some continuity, like a subscription or sell the next product or yeah. be an affiliate for this product or whatever. And it's just, uh, you know, breaking it down step by step and kind of looking at, okay, where are we doing good? And then where can we do better? And what are the things we can do to make each one of those, of those five steps? better yeah. and that's kind of like just the way that i that i break that down that i think about you know that that process yeah and 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 we kind of do a lot of those things but it's maybe less thought out so you know started selling plugins said maybe i should get on youtube and create content and i've i've created a ton of content on youtube keeping up with it is can sometimes be a challenge but um i'd like to to get back on on it more this year again um, same with like the Twitch streams and, and, uh, we've done, done some really interesting things where some, sometimes artists will let us mix their song live on Twitch. So it's a real client, real session, real everything. And, and I can kind of go through the whole mix process and that's been, been pretty fun and, and unique to do. Um, you know, and then of course, like collecting emails and, and engaging that email community. I've thought about the tech side of things. Love to hear your thoughts on, on text. I know a lot of people are hype on that. I, I found that um, you know, a lot of the services available, they, they limit your contact list in, in pretty meaningful ways. And so I, that, that was always sort of the, um, the rub for me is like, well, I can engage with a 50,000 or a hundred thousand person email list. Um, you can't really engage with a hundred thousand people via text in the same way. Um, I know they have tools for it, but also the, the services, I don't even think they allow that large of a pool. So curious to know your thoughts on that. And, and <laughs> yeah. So it's, it. it, this is like, it's like you're, I, I, people are going to think that we, we plan this, you're teeing me up. So we have a service. We did not talk about this. Before, <laughs> yeah. We did not talk about this at all, uh, but we have a service. It's called CrowdConnect, CrowdConnect.io, um, which is the service that I've uh, been testing and using. Um, it's our own uh, text message. It's platform. similar to Superphone community. It is, uh, or, or, or community, but, uh, obviously I'm a little biased, but way better. So, uh, so something like community, you don't actually own that list, right? At least last I spoke to them, you can't import your contacts there or export your contacts from there. It just exists in 
community, right? Yeah. Um, with with uh, with CrowdConnect, like the whole point for us is this ownership, right? Like people get um, confused, I think, sometimes about traffic and like, well, if I just have enough subscribers or followers or likes or comments, that's all I need. But the problem is, you know, algorithms change. Uh, yep. Like you said, even even paid ads, these changes come, uh, you can get shut down, all this kind of stuff. So you don't actually own that traffic. You don't own that connection. You're borrowing it from Mark Zuckerberg or Larry and Sergey, the dudes who run Google or whoever else, right? You don't own it. But yeah. when I have your phone number and email, now I own that connection. Now you can't kick, you can kick me off of MailChimp, but then I can take my emails and I can go somewhere else. You can kick me off wherever. Uh, well, I was going to say community, I can take my phone numbers, but you actually can't with community. With CrowdConnect, you know, you could. Um, and so that's the first thing is like actually owning that data, right? The reason why these Got companies it. are worth so much money is the data. They have the data. So like, I want to get in on that. I want to have the data. I want to own that connection, right? Yeah. So so that's the first thing. Um, and then we just we just integrate it into everything we do. Like you won't see an opt-in page for me for Legion Beats or MIDI Money that doesn't have name, phone number, and email. Uh, so, or right. sorry, email and phone number, I should say. Um, and the phone number sometimes I'll make optional, but more often than not, now I just I just put it in there uh, as hey, you, if you want to get on this free thing or this training or whatever it is, um, you got to get the phone number. And and the reason why is is a few things. One is that you know email is great. I'm all in on email, um, but you know the open rates are you know 10, 20, well. maybe thirty percent. You know. Um, which is still good, you know, it's all it's all relative, but with tech messages, it's 90% plus, right? Um, right? I've got a list right now uh, on the Legion side that's over 100,000. I can press a button and 100,000 phones will buzz and that message will pop up, you know what I mean? Right. So that power is is insane. And, and, you know, the flip side of that is you have to be careful about it because people will get annoyed if you text them too much or you text them the wrong thing because it's... Yeah. It's very personal. It's the way that we talk to our friends and family. Uh, yep. So that's why it's so powerful, but you have to be careful. And usually I recommend like no more than one text message per week. Um, and and even if you're doing it that often, it should probably have like a specific reason why. Um, but man, it has made all the difference in the world. We we did a, um, a beat pack launch uh, for, for Black Friday um, just a couple months back. And uh, we did like an early access list and the uh, uh basically we opened up the cart for the for the beat packs like 30 beats plus we had some features on there and some cool stuff um and the the base price was 47 dollars, but you could add some other stuff on there of course and so uh we got i think there's about four or five thousand people on the early access list with mm -hmm. name email and phone number and so 10 a.m sunday we send out the text message blast and the email um and we did uh first we did fifteen thousand dollars sales fifteen thousand dollars in sales in 15 minutes uh, and then ultimately did $50,000 in sales in that one day selling a $47 beat pack because of that power of the text messaging combined with the email too. But, um, you know, there was no ads that we ran that day, zero, no paid traffic. It was just taking right. that list, that, that, that data that we owned, that relationship that we owned, I guess is really a better way to say it. Um, and, and being able to communicate with them, the value that, that we had for them. So, so well, I'm, I'm all in on it and crowdconnect.io and we can talk later. I can get you. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Definitely want to talk about it. Yeah, Love for that. sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And I think there's, well, you know, like we were talking before and we can talk after, I think there's some cool stuff we might be able to do, uh, like as affiliates and, and stuff like that, which I, I believe really strongly. And like, it's been a huge part of building both MIDI money and Legion beats to where it's a win-win of like, Hey, let's just connect on this thing. You let your audience know about this. They'll be happy because it brings them value and it's something that they right. want. You know, you get 
money for basically just sending out an email or text message. Uh, you know, I get free traffic or, you know, or vice versa. Um, so that that's been big for me. And I, I never had that mindset of like, well, I, I don't want to give my audience to you or vice versa. Like to me, it's the opposite. Like, let's all share, you know, if we've got these audiences, it's yeah. only going to help both of us to, to, to share that audience. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, one, 100%, 100%. Yeah. I love that. We'll chat more. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, and that's something that I think that producers, I, I like to talk about that because it's something that, um, for the most part, uh, I think producers have been real hesitant about, like a lot of producers are so like precious with their, with their list, with their audience, like, like for one thing, they're afraid to sell. And it's like, that's why they're there. They want, if, if your thing is good, they want to buy it from you. That's why they're subscribed or following you. Like, that's the point. Yeah. Um, and for another thing, they're terrified of like sharing that list with somebody else. And it's like, no, if that other person is giving value, they're going to, they're going to appreciate that you connected them with that person, especially if you have, you know, I that. I think that's that same producer mentality where a lot of producers, you know, won't want to share, uh, they won't want to share a, a drum pack or, or, Hey, what's your kick drum or what's the 808 you're using? And a lot of producers are very precious about oh, I can't share that snare with you. I can't share that kick with you. I've never been that. I've always kind of just given my sounds away. I never cared because I'm like, the way that I make a record is going to naturally be different than the way you make a record. We can have yeah. the same drum kit. We're going to make two different beats for sure. Yeah. So I never really had a problem with that. But that that does seem to speak to that same sort of mentality of like, oh, the kick is what makes me special. And it's like, no, it's like, what's in your brain that makes you special it's not any specific kick you use you could swap that out and you'd be just as dope so um yeah that doesn't surprise me but yeah yeah no i hope hope we can help change some minds and and you know because you're right it is kind of that same mindset of like i'd rather come from uh abundance where it's like hey i if i have something that can help you cool uh i i feel like you're gonna bring it back to me um and I don't know, to me, that's, that's just way more effective. And I see it too, like where, where people will like, you know, they'll mess up relationships because of some, they feel like they were, you know, had some slight injustice done to them or they just don't like whatever. And it's like, man, like, just keep, like, just be cool. Like if, if you guys can help each other, I don't know. It, to me, it's just, I'd rather collaborate with people than, than feel like somebody's my competition, but yeah. That, yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, Man. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. Um, so we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of your process with the, with the plugins and stuff and kind of, kind of figuring that process out. What, um, what do you have coming up? What are you excited about, um, coming up next? So, uh, so in November, we dropped the latest plugin called Noctonal, uh, and it's sort of a resonance shaper, uh, for, uh, mostly drums. Uh, but now I'm sort of exploring like some some other avenues to use with it. We're, we're doing some testing here, but um, it, it allows kind of drum tuning, but through resonance. So rather than like boosting 60 hertz, it's like, let me boost E or let me boost like F sharp or, or whatever. So you're able to like kind of mm. tune your drums with these, um, you know, you know, root note resonances and harmonic overtones and and whatnot. So that was pretty interesting and, and a pretty That's unique cool. approach to EQing. Um, and, and that did, uh, has done pretty well and we're really excited about it. Um, but most importantly, it was like sort of a UI shift for us where we went to a more, um, digital looking UI 
which I think is more resonates more and is in tune more with what uh, young producers care about now. Like mm -hmm. I, when I, you know, was starting in, in music, it was sort of the beginning of the plug-in era. You could say a lot of people were still analog, but, but uh, Duro was digital. And so um, in order to get people over to digital, you had to sort of like bridge the gap by making like SSL models and 1176 models and LA-2A right. models and all It these just looked of... like the gear. Yeah, where it looked like <laughs> the gear. And I think now the next generation's like, well, we're way past that. Like we're, we just yeah. want shit that works well and is cool and is interesting and functional UI and whatever. And so we, we kind of learned that. So now the focus for this year is to build out uh, the, the next, we've already started the next plugin. It's going to be a channel strip, um, which I know doesn't sound exciting, but I believe I've come up with some unique ideas for a channel strip that, um, have not yet been done before. Uh, and I think will be, uh, I'm convinced that if, if we execute at a high level, I hate putting this out there before it's ready or anything like that, but I'm convinced if we execute on a high level, like it'll be the best channel strip in the game. I'm, cool, I'm convinced okay. of it. So that's kind of where my head is at now. Um, a channel strip is also interesting because it's usable on for pretty much everything. And, and um, all of the other plugins we've we've built have been primarily like narrow focus, like this is a unique thing because or um, whereas a channel strip is it's our first like we've never done just a compressor by itself. Uh, mm -hmm. But doing a channel strip kind of becomes that and and it'll also allow us to kind of build out the solo compressor and solo EQ and solo limiter and all the other, you know, kind of things that you need which ultimately would allow you to to get to i think a subscription model because um i'm convinced that for music plugins for a subscription to be effective you got to have not just the cool shit but you got to have the the tool belt stuff too you got to have like the, right. the basic toolbox um because yeah. just like with with hbo and and netflix like we are going to get to a point of of uh there's too many subscriptions and you're going to have to pick and choose the ones that are best suited for you. And so being right. well-rounded, I think is key. Definitely. No, I think that makes sense. I think, you know, Slate does a good job of that, um, yeah. where it's this whole suite of, of plugins where if, if you wanted to, that could be all you used, you know? So yeah. I think probably to really have that effective subscription, uh, that yeah. makes sense. Although, you know what, you could also have, Hey, we're really niching down and, you know, so I, I think there's probably Here's the thing approaches. that none of your other subscriptions will have, but you get these seven plugins that are all just really unique and weird. Like, yeah, I right. mean, I guess there's, there's really no rules. Um, you know, slate, uh, Steven's been a, a sort of mentor of mine in the space and, and, uh, always got to show love to him. And, and, um, I love his products. I'm sitting here talking to you on a Raven and, and, those uh, ravens look so cool i know yeah, I, I had him on yeah. the on the podcast not too long ago he's cool cool guy for sure smart dude yeah and i got the mic the ml1 and even the little mics and i have a slate control so i've got a ton of slate stuff in my room um but uh yeah i think he 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 really built out a, a an effective subscription model um i think there's still room to do other things with subscription in in plugins and, and music uh but he certainly set the bar uh pretty high for sure so um, yeah. it, it, it's nice to have like a, a North star to kind of aim towards. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, one, one sort of tangent that I started thinking about it. Cause you're talking about how, okay, like these plugins were originally designed to emulate and look like this outboard gear. And now we're starting to get to a point in the evolution where it's like, well, why are we stuck with that? Like we're 
there's there's actually no limits in the digital space as far as what that thing can look like or how it can be uh you know represented um and it you know it made me think of kind of just where we're going in general with with some of this sort of web3 you know metaverse and all this kind of stuff where like you know right now zoom does a pretty good job of recreating us sitting in a normal room together right it does an okay yeah. job like it's not yeah. it's not as good as us sitting in the same room but like i think the next level will be some of this crazy vr stuff where it's like well why are we stuck to us like sitting in these chairs staring at each other like we can be you know sharing ideas and flying around on some big like whiteboard where we're like writing down the things that we're saying and like flying over here and you know i, I don't even know like right. right i'm just making something up but i do think it's interesting to see where things are going to go as the the digital stuff basically we're in an era right now that'll probably seem really old eventually that all of our digital stuff is like kind of a shittier version of the real life thing right. and i think we're just starting to get to that point now where we're like oh wait a second we can actually do completely different stuff with less limits and and like cooler weird stuff so anyways that was just a tangent yeah. of, of something i mean i think it's going to go there i you know I, I do a lot of tech investing and and um things like quantum computing and ai and machine learning and and, and things like that and i'm convinced like there will be a true metaverse ready player one style whatever but you're not going to get there until the headsets are painless right now mm -hmm. they're still big and heavy and you know they they hurt your neck and they're not comfortable on your eyes and whatever if you can just throw on a pair of sunglasses and it blocks out everything it weighs nothing you got a decent battery life the the um the quality of the 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 vr the visualization is like you know wide peripheral uh uh you know frame of view um then you'll be able to like really build out these unique worlds but i think it's still a little bit niche you know you still got a big box on your head um right. you basically have a console on your face which is yeah. <laughs> not really that comfortable yet but I would imagine like there's rumors like Apple's building something. I would imagine if they're building something, it's probably, you know, they've tended in their history, like only built things when the technology was ready to build it. And mm -hmm. they've let other people kind of be the guinea pigs and, and get there first. Right. Um, you know, the, the iPhone wasn't the first smartphone, but it right. might've been the best smartphone maybe if, right. if you, if you believe that. Um, right. and so, so I think it'll eventually get there. Um, and also, I think people are lazy. Nobody wants to run around. Nobody wants to run around all day in a unique world. They don't want to run around in the real world all day. Right. So, so I, I think it'll take some time, but I think it'll eventually we'll we'll get there. And what we're seeing with like Web three and all the metaverse stuff and and the, this whole NFT like you know stuff that's happening, we're seeing the beginning stages of it. Like we're literally watching sort of this framework being built, but it's still like really remedial stuff at the moment yeah no totally I, I think i think you're right i think it is the very early stages like uh you know maybe i don't know bitcoin you know is myspace right but like facebook is coming or maybe you know bitcoin is actually friendster and then the next thing will be myspace and you know we're not even you know we're like three generations back from like whatever the you right. know the the mass adoption is but i do think it's things are moving faster and faster so um, I'm curious as far as like, cause I, I think, I think pretty much everyone seems to agree that that stuff is where we're going. The, you know, blockchain, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, 
you know, the web three stuff, NFTs. Um, I'm curious for you, do you see, or are you using anything right now that you're like, oh yes, this makes sense right now. This actually has uh, utility or, or um, you know, it, yeah, I guess that's the question. Is On there anything NFT you're doing right side now? Of things? I guess with any, but yeah, sure. Yeah. NFT, blockchain. No, um, not, not really. And it, I'm, I'm not pessimistic about NFTs in any way. Like I'm very optimistic, but I think um, what you're seeing right now is a lot of copycats trying to match the success of what someone else did. And to a degree, like that exists in the art community too, right? Like, you know, sure. Picasso was influenced by Dolly and like, whatever. I mean, I'm not an art historian here, so I don't know if that's actually actually accurate, but uh, the, the point I'm making is art is meant to inspire and, and then you kind of, same with music, it becomes derivative, right? Um, but you're seeing a lot of that right now and you're seeing these like insane valuations on these things that are mostly derivative that I don't think is sustainable. It does feel like the kind of tulip uh, bloom or whatever it was the, the, the tulip, um, market from back in the days. Uh, but you know, what is happening is you have some companies that are actually trying to innovate on the technology and create new things and, and, and create the building blocks. I think those are the projects that are going to do really well, um, in the space, but the idea of spending millions of dollars for land in the metaverse that to me is kind of insane yeah. because it's what value are you buying? Like they can just make new land, like with the snap of a finger and just all of a sudden you have a, a million new plots of land. There's, there's no, you know, at least with earth there, there is limitations on what you can build and where you can build it and how you can, you know? Um, so the fact that millions of dollars are being spent for land in a digital world that isn't even built out yet, that to me is, is like, you know, out yeah. of control. Uh, yeah. But again, I'm not pessimistic. I believe that the space is going to succeed. I just think a lot of what we see right now won't. Right. You know, a lot of what we see right now is kind of the the, the guinea pigs and, and the people testing the waters and there just happens to be enough hype where, where they're all surviving. But there'll be a, there'll eventually, I think, be a, um, there'll be a pullback and people will, a correction and people will start to then prioritize the, the, the products or whether it's art NFTs or utility tokens or any, they'll start to prioritize the things that actually have true value, whether it's artistic value or functional, you know, um, uh, value. So, yeah, no, that's my, my thoughts exactly that there's, there's all this, uh, possibility from blockchain and, and metaverse, you know, whatever. Um, and, and we're at a stage right now where there's this bubble because there's so much hype around it that a lot of people are probably going to be very disappointed in, I don't know, six months or a year or whatever, because a lot of these projects, they don't, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, yeah. and there's going to be certain ones that will, you know, last and be like, oh my God, I can't believe you got whatever at, at this time. And I, I do think you're right that it's mainly going to be the ones that actually have utility. It's not just like. I get to say I own this picture because I do sort of, we all get to look at it, you know, whatever you want to say about that argument. But if owning that also allows you to go to this event and connect with this person and do these actual things, to me, that's, that's going to be the thing that that's, those are the projects that'll last, that'll, you know, that, that are going to be the ones in the future that, that really make sense. And right. um, the one, yeah. the one that, 
that got me kind of the most excited was the first one where I was like, oh, I think that's something I can see the utility right now for myself is, um, have you heard of Rally, Rally.il? No, tell it's me cool. about it. So, so Rally is a, um, uh, and, and some of this is like a little over my head, all the exact, but it's like a side chain of Ethereum. It's its own coin. It's exchanged on, you know, Coinbase and, and whatever, a bunch of exchanges. Um, but essentially you can um, uh, create your own creator coin as, again, I don't know the exact terminology, but almost like a subdivision of Rally. So like, if you know, um, Illmind, he's got Blapcoin, um, which is like his own cryptocurrency. Oh, is that, that's, that's part of Rally? That's on Rally, exactly right. And so there's all these different creators now that are that are doing that, right? Um, and it's an application process. So not anybody can can do it, you know, specifically through Rally. But some of the nice things about it, like anybody could technically create a cryptocurrency, but there's not this uh, liquidity pool. Meaning, like if if I buy a bunch of some random cryptocurrency and now I want to exchange it back for dollars, there has to be a buyer on the other end. What's nice about the way Rally has it set up is like you can always convert. Like, let's say I buy a thousand dollars of Blackcoin to Rally, and today I could convert that to Rally and turn that into dollars. Um, and so there's all this cool stuff where you can do where you say, hey, if you hold this amount of coins, you get these benefits, or if you buy, you know, this product with the coin, you get these certain benefits. And so that's something that actually I'm looking at doing right now is uh, I've got my application in process for Rally because that I can see like, okay, this is something cool where the community can benefit where it's like, okay, people can get, let's say the MIDI money coin, right? And maybe we have something where, hey, if you hold whatever, a hundred MIDI money coins, then that grants you access to every week. I'm gonna do a coaching call. that's gonna teach you about building your funnels or, or every month we're gonna have a special guest like DJ Swivel, who's gonna give you some behind the scenes, whatever. Um, and now it's, there's some actual utility, there's some actual value. And the part I like about it is this concept that the community can benefit from the community growing, growing, right? Like you buy that coin, you hold on to it. It's worth something because you're getting the, the reward, you're getting the thing, but also, Hey, if it goes well, the value of that thing is going to continue to go up. And those hundred right. midi money coins could be worth, you know, more thousands or tens of thousands or whatever. Yeah. Million. Yeah. So anyways, that was the first thing that I saw where I was like, oh, I think I can actually do something with that right now that that for me personally, I saw. That's that's interesting. I'm going to look into that as well. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's the issue is is uh, I saw Gary V talking about this. Um, in order for any of these projects, whether it's an NFT project or a new token or whatever, in in order for any of them to really last, the, the teams involved in building them, and this isn't, I mean, I'm sure there's some tokens that are like proof of use or whatever, like Bitcoin or whatever. You don't need the original founders of Bitcoin to be involved because it's 100% decentralized and, and, and uh, anybody can buy it. And the market, it, it's grown enough where the market, it survives itself, right? Um, but you have to kind of bet on the people behind it. Uh, because if the people don't have the commitment to, to build this thing and run it for the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, then eventually you're just like, it's a ticking time bomb waiting for, you know, when's the bottom going to be pulled out from under me? And when, when's everyone going to opt to, to get out, um, lowering the value of whatever that thing you bought was. Uh, and so that's the key is I think betting on people who are, who have the patience, the time, the energy, the resources, bandwidth to be able to continue it over a period of time. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right, is is being really careful about that and trying to see, okay, does this person have a track record? Do they, are are they committed to to actually, you know, 
keeping this thing going so that the value, you know, continues to increase. Um, but then, you know, assuming you do, I like um, at least I, I like that broader idea of that you can, if you believe in somebody, a community, a person, an artist, a producer, whatever, that you can essentially buy in early to that community and benefit from being early. You know what I mean? I just, I yeah. like that concept. You know, there's something cool about that. Like, oh man, I heard DJ Swivel. He's the new, you know, intern over here, but I think he's really dope just for fun. I'm going to put, you know, 10 bucks into his creator coin and bam, 10 years later, I'm a millionaire. You know what I mean? Right, I, exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, I kind of like that. Well, I'm, I'm going to look into it. Blab or um, not Blabcoin, uh, Rally. Yeah, Rally.io. Yeah, okay. rally yeah, let me know. And I'll let you know as I go through the process too. Yeah, um, how it goes because I think it's something dope. All right, man. Well, I've taken uh, a lot of your your valuable time, which I really appreciate. Maybe just to to close it out, if you can let people know the best place to find you, um, anything you know else coming up that people should know about, and anything else you'd want to wrap up with. Sure. Um, well, easiest place to find me it's at DJ Swivel on pretty much all social media platforms: uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Um, and then, you know, link in my bio on Instagram has access to our discord. Uh, we're going to get back. We kind of did a little pause over the holidays. We're about to get back into sort of doing our weekly, uh, feedback Friday session. So every Friday I'll like break down, you know, people will send in music, uh, fans, uh, will send in music through their disc, through the discord channel. I'll listen to it, break it down live on, on Twitch. Um, and we've actually had some really unique things where, uh, fans will see, you know, it's been a great A&R tool for me because some of these producers will come in and they're just like dope, like so dope. And they'll send in music that's like, gives me an idea and then I'll go write a song to it and then try to pitch it and place it. So, you know, I, I'm just in that stage where I'm looking to build, uh, build on what I've done, build opportunities for the next generation of producers, um, you know, through what I'm doing, open some doors for them, get them into the business. Um, yeah, so it's been a great AR tool for me on, on that. So join the Discord. And uh, then I have a few like little NFT projects we're, we're working on right now. Maybe a little too early to talk about, but uh, definitely coming soon. And, and uh, yeah, okay. just follow me on social media. You'll, you'll get the, uh, <laughs> you'll figure out what I'm doing pretty quickly. And of course, I have the plugins and sample. We're about to drop a new sample pack probably next week. Um, that will be uh, bases and 808s, bases, live bases, synth bases, stuff like that. So if you're a producer, check out the pack. Maybe you'll like it. Awesome, man. I'm sure I speak for everybody who's listening and watching. Appreciate you dropping the gems, uh, taking some me. time out of your day and, and hanging out. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you for listening to the MIDI Money Podcast. If you're not subscribed already, please be sure to do that right now on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you do me a quick favor and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or comment and like the videos on YouTube. You know, those ratings, reviews, those comments, they all show that people are getting value, helps the algorithm and helps get this podcast out to more producers. So it means so much to me if you'd be willing to take a couple minutes to do that. Oh, and if you'd like to learn more about how I was able to turn Legion Beats into a profitable business and how you can join our community of hundreds of producers all working towards that same goal, head over to midimoney.com go.